Well, good morning. If you're new here this morning, I uh, just want to let you know that we are in a series uh, that is following the Alpha series that we're doing as a church, and that is actually happening across the country and even around the, the world. And so we have been uh, tracking uh, together with the themes and the questions related to that. Uh, if you're somebody who's been following along and has been engaged throughout the fall uh, and are paying close attention, you may notice that today we're, we're kind of switching uh, topics this week and next. Um, you all notice that, right? Uh, but anyways, uh, Dale is uh, speaking on the same topic this morning at, at Broadway, and then next week we're going to switch. And so we've reversed it here, and next week he'll talk about uh, Scripture more specifically. Um, so today I want to talk about how God guides us. A big question, I think, for a lot of us in life as we've been in this series called Big Questions And you know and I know that we have countless decisions to make in life. We face decisions every single day, big ones and small ones, uh, ones that impact us greatly, ones that have very little significance or impact, but all the same, we have more and more choices all the time in front of us. Uh, Did you know, apparently, there are in an average large supermarket about 50,000 items that you can actually choose from? I didn't know that. I find that actually hard to believe. Uh, no wonder I, you know, get immobilized when I go to the cereal aisle. Um, I mean, 50,000 different items that are there within an inventory that you have to choose from. I mean, the decisions that we make are relentless and constant. And so we need guidance in terms of how we make decisions. Not so much with grocery shopping. I have Lisa. She helps me with that. But we need guidance when it comes to the bigger issues of life and the decisions that we have to make. We need to make decisions that lead us to a place that makes sense, leads us in a path and a direction that is good and that God is leading us in because all of our decisions lead us somewhere. Thankfully, we are not alone in this. We serve a God and we have a God and there is a God who desires to have a relationship with us, who wants to know us who wants us to know him as he reveals himself to us, and he is a God who guides us. But it begs the question, how do we hear God? How do we have God guide us? How is it that he does that? What does that look like in the day-to-day decisions of our lives? And I thought I wanted to start just with three uh, sort of components through which I think God guides us. Now, these aren't so much how God guides us. We're going to get to that a little bit later But these are the components, I think, or some of the main components through which I believe that God does guide us. If if life is a series of choices, and if life is seen as a journey, and these choices that we make are in many ways a journey, then these three components, I think, can help us visualize that. So the first one is a map. You know maps. Most of you don't even know what these look like anymore. You know what this kind of map looks like. Uh, It's a little bit different, right? Um, But this kind of map, you know, you get these and you put them in your car and you unfold them and you never actually get them folded back together again, ever. Um, But they help us with things. Maps, as you pull them out and as you look at them, they have markers on them. They let us to see kind of the roads. They let us to see boundaries. They let us to see, uh, you know, different places and, and things that are significant, sites of interest and all kinds of things that that maps help us with, Right. So maps are an important deal. Maps help us in whatever uh, way that, that we look at life. They are a tool to guide us, but they alone don't guide us. Because we actually need more than just the map. They're not enough in and of themselves. Now, 
Wouldn't it be nice if actually all of life were like the Google Maps that we have on our phones and then we actually turn it on and then a voice actually comes on and talks to you and, and you just say, okay, uh, Google, like guide me. And it actually walks you through every leg of the journey. It says, okay, turn right here. You know what? There's a turn coming up in like 400 meters. Turn right here. And you navigate by voice and every step of the way is laid out for you. I mean, wouldn't that be nice if life were like that? With every, oh, I see you shaking your head. No, that wouldn't be nice. But I mean, it would be a lot simpler, wouldn't it? But so maps in and of themselves are not adequate because they still need to have a little bit more. They're, they're limited because we also have to choose the path that we're going to take. So even as I, I see a map like this, and there are many options in front of me, and you can see different destinations, and you can get a, maybe a sense of where you are and even where you're wanting to go, but you still have choices to make because you still have to decide what route you're going to take. So you still have to choose the path. How is it that you're going to get there? How are you going to utilize this map in such a way that you're actually going to choose a path that will be helpful for you and get you on the right route? Now, sometimes it's easy to see and obvious, and other times it's not so obvious. And we're not exactly sure what is the best route to go. Even though I can get a sense of the map and the lay of the land, and it helps me to see some of that, but the way from here to here isn't so exact obvious, and we have to still make decisions. And so we make choices. And oftentimes we think, again, our life choices are, are disconnected from one another, that they are sort of standalone, isolated events that we choose on this thing, and we choose on this thing, and we choose on this thing. But I think for each one of us, the longer that we live, we realize that our life choices and the decisions that we make are actually connected. They all lead somewhere. They set us on a path and they set us in a certain direction very specifically. There's a book called The Principle of the Path, and the author argues that we need to get beyond this idea that life choices are isolated and not connected because they all do lead us somewhere in a very specific direction. They're connected. If you find yourself in a financial crisis, if you find yourself in a messy relationship, if you find yourself in a business relationship, an environment with working with people that you wish you would have never met, these all serve as a series of steps and choices that we have often made that lead us to a certain place. And if somebody comes along and asks you the courageous question when you're in this destination and you're in this end place that you actually didn't want to end up and you're kind of wondering, how did I get here? And somebody asks you the question, okay, well, didn't you see the warning signs? Like, weren't there kind of choices along the way that you could have made in, in order to end up in a different place? And if you're honest, you probably would have to say, yeah, I probably did see some warning signs. Yeah, maybe there were some things that I ignored, some warning signs along the way that I kind of disregarded because I thought, well, this would be a good direction. Or maybe I took the easy direction instead of making some of the hard choices. In Proverbs chapter 4, Verses 25 to 27, uh, the author of Proverbs says it this way, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And so throughout Scripture, and especially as you look at Proverbs in this wisdom literature, there's a lot of this language of the path that we walk on. A lot of this language of, of keeping along the straight path. 
where your eyes are looking and where your feet are placed is important because as we take steps, as we make decisions, we set out a path that leads us in a specific direction. And so we need to pay attention to the path. It's one of those components that God uses in guiding us. Second component, or the third component I would talk about is, is the light. Now, we don't use lanterns like this so much anymore, but you can understand what this is used for. Some of you have used these. And these, you light them, and then you hold them out in front of you. And, and even when, this, when Scripture was written, there would have been lanterns that would have been used in different ways that were actual fire that they would hold out in front of them to light the way. And at times they would actually even put it on a pole and on a stick of some kind, and they would push it out even further in front of them as they walked so that they could see further. And so the metaphor of a lantern was something that they would have understood very clearly because it made sense in terms of how this lights your path. This is what guides you. This lantern is what you hold in front of you, and it illuminates what you can see because even though we may have a certain map that we are using and we even choose a certain path that we are on, we still have the question of what is it that's going to light our way? What is it that's going to illuminate us? Where is it that we are going to look that will light our way and help us along this pathway? And so we still have questions to answer and decisions to make. The right kind of light will help us see things, will help us see dangers and challenges, and make sense of what is in front of us and what God's desire is for us. In Proverbs chapter 27, verse 12, it says, A prudent person foresees danger and takes precautions. The simpleton goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. So there's this need to be prudent, to not just go blindly on, but we need to be able to see. And we need a light that helps us to do that. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 and 23, Uh, Matthew writes about this where he's quoting Jesus who says, Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body, and when your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness. So Jesus is teaching about this, this interplay between this lamp metaphor and also our eye and what it is that we look at, what it is that our eye is drawn to. And and you know that our eye is often drawn to the light, right? When you look at things or if you're in darkness, your eye is drawn to light that is off in the distance. And we often use different lights as sort of our marker. If you've ever been out in a boat on a lake in the middle of uh, darkness, you look for certain markers and light that you can fix your eyes on on the shore and that you can follow as you find your way home. And so in the same similar way, there is this, this truth that what we look at is what is the direction that we start to go. And our eye and what draws our eye is important to pay attention to. Because what our eye is drawn to and what it focuses on and what captures our attention ends up setting the direction of our life in many ways. And again, our path in which our lives can be consumed in things and where we can end up in places that we sometimes don't want to end up. So how does, how does God guide us? How does God speak to us? How will we know which maps to use and how to see the landscape more accurately? How will we know which paths to take and to make wise choices with what's in front of us? And what is it that will guide our path? What is the light that we will use to guide us? I want to encourage you to turn to Ephesians. And in Ephesians chapter 2, we read 
this verse as Paul is writing to this church and to us as well. And he says, for we are God's masterpiece, verse 10. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. Good things. It says that you have a purpose, that your life has a purpose, that you are, believe it or not, a work of art. Now, you might wonder at times what kind of work of art, but you are made in the image of the living God, and you are a unique expression of God. And so Paul is saying, you are a unique person. You are a beautiful creation. You are a work of art. And I would say that you are a functional artwork, not just this artwork that hangs on a wall and only looks good, but you are actually a beautiful artwork that actually has a purpose, that God has designed you for a purpose and designed you for a reason, which is why we need God's guidance in our lives to fulfill that purpose, those purposes that God has called us to. Because you see, we still have choices to make. We still have daily decisions to make all the time that can lead us down different paths. And so we hopefully want to be asking the question, God, what is the direction that you want us to go so that we can fulfill these purposes for this work that you have called us to do? As it says here in this text, these good things that he planned for us long ago. Now, if you remember a couple weeks ago, we talked about this in a different context about this word of works, right? And we talked about three different kinds of works that might be helpful to think about as we see that word in Scripture. And first of all is the principle of works, which is the idea that the the good that you do actually is what saves you. And in some world religions, that is the approach where you have to do a certain amount of good in order to get into heaven. And So that's not the kind of works that we're talking about here. The second kind of works is the kind of works that, that Paul often spoke about and spoke against when he was writing to these churches who were steeped in Jewish tradition and the law of Moses. They understood the, the Mosaic law, you might call it, and, and they wanted to fulfill that Mosaic law, believe in Jesus and also fulfill this Mosaic law and keep those kinds of works. And Paul says, no, 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 you don't need to add to the gospel of Jesus. But then there's also the works that is spoken of in Scripture, which is being spoken of here, which is speaking of good works, these good things that come out of your salvation and out of a response to what God has done for you. And you see that if we back up and read uh, verse 10 in the context of verse 8 and 9. So let's back up, Ephesians 2, verse 8 to 10. Paul says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And in this short few verses, it It shows us, again, in a beautiful way, again, these tensions of, okay, we are called to do these good works, but they don't save us. It's not about us boasting about them. It's a responsiveness to the goodness of God and what he has done. John Stott says that good works are indispensable to salvation, not as its grounds or means, but as its consequence and evidence. And so we have purpose on this journey. We have tasks that God has given us for God's glory and for his kingdom. So what, it, what is it that will guide us? What will be the maps? What paths will we take? What light will guide us? How will these components be utilized? Or will God use these components in our lives to guide us? And I want to look today at five things and five ways that, that God guides us. And again, these are, are connected. All of them are connected, and we'll see that as we come to the end. None of them stand in isolation. They all go together with the other components. 
The first one and the first primary way that God guides us is through Scripture. In fact, Scripture is, used, is spoken of as in, in metaphorical terms in many ways, and some of the language that is used for Scripture is actually that it is like a map. It is like a sword that cuts deep into our, into our bones. It is a mirror that kind of is held up to us to help us to see who we really are in light of God. It is spoken of as a light and as a lamp. And so we need to be immersed in God's Word to allow it to guide us. Let me give you a personal example that just happened for me in the last couple of weeks. Uh, about a week and a half ago, in my reading plan, I was in Philippians chapter 1. And it was a text and a chapter that I've read countless times before. And I was reading it, and what struck me was this verse in verse 9 about love. And the reason that it struck me is because of just right now and different things that I'm involved with and situations that are complex and there's some messiness involved and people involved and sometimes you get frustrated and you wonder how is it that you're going to work through this messiness and you can find yourself even agitated at certain people who aren't responding the way you want them to respond anybody else relate to that once in a while i hear the amen yes thank you and then god hit me with this verse about love and he says and this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ. And it was like God stopped me in my tracks and changed how I prayed. Because I realized that it is only in an increasing ability to love these people that I could actually discern better. And that discernment, good discernment and depth of knowledge and insight is going to come out of a deep love. Nothing else. And so... Even last week, this scripture just really guided my path profoundly. It changed the way I prayed for these people. It changed the way I interacted in these circumstances. As I just said, Lord, help me to love these people. And I started to pray and to bless them and to encourage them and to hold them up before the Lord. And then in my interactions with them, it was different. I could see differently and better, just like this scripture text talks about, with knowledge and depth of insight. And I hope and pray that for you, this is a true reality as well, where Scripture is guiding you daily. Where Scripture comes alive for you, and it's like it, it comes into your situations daily. In Psalm 119, 105, it talks about this lamp metaphor. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Scripture, we know, plays that role over and over and over again. In Psalm 119, a uh, number of verses that talk about that, and we could spend a lot of time here. We won't. Let me just read verse 35 to 37. Make me walk along the path of your commands, for that is where my happiness is found. Give me an eagerness for your laws rather than for, love, for the love of money. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. There's a verse worth, worth memorizing. Turn my eyes from worthless things and give me life through your word. I mean, Scripture is just filled with profound guidance and instruction and practical things for our lives and is one of the central ways that God guides us. Secondly is the Holy Spirit. And again, go hand in hand. As I was reading that Scripture verse last week, it was the Spirit of God that just prompted me to stop. So these things, these things again, are going together and are always hand in hand. And the Spirit of God just prompts us, helps us to see things new for the first time, reveals things to us, speaks to us in different ways. The Spirit of God dwells within us, guides us, directs us, and speaks. 
reveals scripture to us, awakens us to things. Well, maybe put impressions on our heart or, or lay a burden of somebody in our heart or guide us how to pray, whatever it is. And so as we pray and as we come before God, we, we want the Spirit of God and we trust that the Spirit of God is guiding us in this conversation because that's what it is, a conversation, right? Because otherwise, if all we do is talk and we aren't listening, and we talked about this in previous weeks, if, if we aren't listening, then we aren't allowing the Spirit of God to also speak to us through his word and through his nudgings and through the different ways that he speaks to us. And I was thinking, it, it's kind of like if you go to a doctor's office, and some of you who are doctors here, you've probably had this experience maybe many times, hopefully not, you know, where your patient comes in and they have studied and researched what it is that ails them, and they know in detail what ails them, Right? And so they go on this long rant of all the things they've researched on the interweb, and they have talked about all of these things, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. And I know this and this and this, and this, therefore, this is the condition, and this is what it has to do. And then they would just sort of maybe get up and walk out and say, thank you for your time. Now, hopefully, they're ready to listen to what the doctor might say, because the doctor might know a little bit more and give some insight. But in a small way, it might be like when we come before God and we come with our requests and our ideas and our directions and directives and all kinds of things that we have in this conversation, but do we allow the Spirit of God to stop us in our tracks and speak to us and to guide us and to hold a mirror up at times? You know, sometimes it happens in unusual ways. Sometimes it's through prophecy, through dreams, through visions, happens at different times to different people. Sometimes those things happen more to some people than others. As I was thinking about this week and how God guides us, I pulled out this binder again, and I've shared this with you before. When I go back to the call to ministry, to pastoral ministry, like 17 years ago, when I was going through sort of a crisis time in my own life and discerning God's leading in my life, I I put together this binder because I asked God, okay, if you're calling me into pastoral ministry, you have to hit me over the head with this. So he did, time after time after time after, and I documented it. And I just filled up this binder with all kinds of things that are both scripture that, that God gave me directly, scripture that just came alive for me, scripture that people spoke to me and sent to me, the things that the Spirit of God was saying and confirming in my heart, prophetic words that other people said to me that just confirmed things that I was reading and understanding, and that I felt that God was speaking to me already as well. And, and other things, all kinds of things that are just filled in this document for me that is a kind of a touchstone that I go back to and I go, thank you, Lord, that I have that when times get hard and challenging. The third one in ways that God guides us is the counsel of others. There is many emails in here that give me the counsel of others and also some certain events where a group of people gathered together to discern and pray with me. And so this one, too, is part of even my story on this particular uh, journey, but also in my day-to-day life as I interact with people. As I have to make decisions, I, I look for the counsel of others. You know, we can get experience on our own and, and experience things ourselves. And some people, they say, well, you know what? I want to just experience it for myself. You know, an experience is a great teacher. Yes, but experience also eats up our, one of our greatest commodities, which is time. And sometimes we can save a lot of time when we actually get the counsel of others. Not only time, but we save a lot of pain and scars along the way when we learn from others who have actually gone before us and have experienced some things that they would not want us to experience. So why not borrow the maps of others who've been where we want to go? 
Because you see, we all borrow maps. We all take these from somewhere. Oftentimes they're not conscious, they're sort of subconscious, but we borrow maps from different people, we borrow maps from different circumstances. One of those maps I might call the maps of the masses, or the herd mentality. Well, you know, everybody does it this way, so it must make sense, and so that might be the way to go. When we go to buy a house, we buy a bigger house all the time, even maybe one that we we cannot afford because, well, everybody's doing it, and leverage to the max, or maybe it's even in our consumer debt and the decisions that we make about purchases and how we handle credit cards and so on. Well, it just seems like that's what everybody does, and you have multiple credit cards, and you load them up and so on, and so suddenly you find yourself in a place that you didn't want to be in that regard. Or maybe it's in a dating relationship, and you say, well, everybody's sleeping with whoever it is that they're dating, so it it must be all right, because that's the map of the masses, and so it makes sense that we would just kind of do the same thing. So the question is, is who is it that you're taking cues from? Who is it that you are intentionally choosing maps from? Because right now, if the financial, relational, moral, and professional decisions that you're making are simply following the general pattern of the world, we might need a new map. And Scripture, and through the Holy Spirit, and through the wisdom of other people might guide us there. Again, why wouldn't we ask questions and spend time with and borrow the maps of someone that we trust and respect and whose life is a picture of where we want to end up in a certain area of their life? Are we intentional enough to do that and then actually to listen to their counsel? Proverbs eleven fourteen. It says, without wise leadership, a nation falls, and there is safety in having many advisors. Proverbs twelve fifteen: fools think their own way is right, but the wise listen to others. In Proverbs fifteen twenty two: plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Again, we are all trying to get somewhere. As we try to live a life to fulfill these great works that God has called us to do and to fulfill the purposes of God, but we can also glean so much wisdom from the counsel of others who have been there before. Because you see, they they have the Spirit of God within them too, if they're a Christ follower. And so this is where, again, the interplay of all of these things coming together, of the Spirit of God speaking to us through another person filled with the Spirit of God who sees things that maybe we can't see. The fourth area is common sense. Common sense. In the book of uh, Proverbs Verse 3, verse 21 to 23, it says it this way. My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. They keep you safe on your way, and your feet will not stumble. So if you become a follower of Jesus, and you commit your life to Christ, it's not like you, you know, sort of check out your brain or your personality. You are still you. And God has given you a certain component of common sense that is used for his purposes. Now, some people have more common sense than other people, maybe. I think that's fair to say. But we all have this common sense that God has given us. And, and he's saying, Proverbs here, it says, don't give up on that. This matters. This too plays into how God guides you and leads you. In Scripture, we're called to test the spirits, to test prophecy, to use our discernment. Even to discern within Scripture. We don't always understand all of Scripture either. And then fifthly, circumstantial signs. Circumstantial signs. Things that might seem odd or unique or even random at times. But these 
unique things that sort of come into our life and we go, what was that? We don't have a category to put it in. And if you take that one on its own, it might just feel really flaky and weird. But if you put it together with some of these other components that we've been talking about today, suddenly it's just this, another affirmation, this confirmation of, okay, God, I think you're speaking to me now. It helps us to see a pathway, confirm a pathway, and shine a little bit more light. Again, when I was discerning this call to pastoral ministry, there are a number of circumstantial signs in this document. One of them is this paper right here. And they pointed to different things that happened at that time when I was sort of feeling like I was in the crucible and it was very intense and I was trying to discern a way forward from God. And, and all of these things that I've already talked about today in terms of scripture and the Holy Spirit and the counsel of others and common sense, all of these had played a factor. And then God just threw in a few more things to make the point. And it was different things that I don't even have time to get into. One of them was about cryptography and, and about decoding things, which is a really bizarre. I'll tell you that on the side sometime. Another one was when I was here candidating and I, I was uh, driving through town and to different meetings and really struggling with taking this leap of faith of doing this and actually becoming a pastor, whatever that meant. And I remember this song coming on the radio and I happened to listen to country. Um, can God speak through country music? Apparently. And, and so this song came on the radio that I had never heard before and have never heard since that time. And it was a song that, that talked about taking a leap of faith. Now, it was actually a guy talking about a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Like, it's a totally different context. So again, on its own, really weird and bizarre and whatever, that's flaky. But for me, it was like a word of God spoken to me as I was driving to this meeting. Because the song started playing as I started driving. The song ended right when I pulled up and shut off the, my vehicle. Two weeks later, I came back. Um, two weeks later, I came back to some meetings that were some follow-up meetings Drove in the car here in Saskatoon, turned on the radio, the very same song was playing on the radio. That is weird. I don't know what to do with that. Again, first time and last time I've ever heard that song on the radio. And I go, okay, God, what is that? Again, on its own, I would say means nothing. Combine that to all the other things as God is speaking, and you can look at those things and go, okay, maybe God is speaking here. Maybe we need to just pay attention in different ways. I want to just conclude, and I would invite the worship team, if you had come up at this time, I'm going to wrap up here. Romans 8, uh, 28. It says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God has a purpose for you. And the encouraging thing for me as I think about this is even as we make life's choices, even as we make mistakes, I am so encouraged that God can take those choices and he can weave them into his bigger purposes. His purpose will be accomplished in your life. But we can choose paths that will make it in a certain direction, or we can choose paths that sometimes are more painful, and sometimes the pain, I think, is God, part of God's purpose in growing us up as well, too. But be encouraged that God makes these things work together for good and for his glory as we meander through life, and as God is the master, and as he is creating this masterpiece. You know, I know that it's usually easier for us to look back and to see God's hand in things when we have the the luxury of hindsight. But I want you to know and be encouraged that even if you're in the midst of the fog right now and you're asking questions about guidance, that God speaks and that you would be diligent in being in the word and praying and asking the spirit of God to reveal things to you, that you would be intentional about inviting the counsel of other people to speak into your life.
even maybe if it's things that are hard to hear. And allow God to speak to you as you discern the next steps, as you fulfill the purposes that God has for your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to look to you more often. That you would help us to engage these ways that that you speak to us and guide us in our lives. And Father, would you give us attentive ears and responsive hearts, I pray. And Lord, sometimes we are maybe quick to dismiss things when it's actually you speaking. And I pray that you would help us to be good discerners and that we would do that in community, in the community of the church. Help us to do that well. And so, Lord, we want to be your craftsmanship, your masterpiece. And God, we just admit that we are in the hands of the master and may you mold us and shape us to your will and for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.